Happy New Year, everybody. It's been a week, and I hope that you had a good start to your new year. It's great to see you here. Thanks for being a part of our, our new year. Uh, I'm going to kind of have a little bit, before I get to the sermon, there's a few things I want to talk about and address and just say. And uh, for one, I'm just, I'm so thrilled to be a pastor here. I, I started, I'm kind of in like my 16th year as, as a pastor here at Ambassador, and I love it. I love it more than ever. About two years ago on this Sunday was my first Sunday as a senior pastor. So I'd been here for a long time, and then I became the senior pastor two years ago. And it's been fun just to see, um, just be a part of this and in a new role and excited to lead in that. But there's a few things in particular that I'm so encouraged about, I'm excited about. And there's, there's many things, but these are two that, that came up this week I always want to say. Our youth just went to camp. And I, I got a letter from the speaker. Whenever you get a letter from the speaker, you got to like, uh-oh, what happened? It's like, the, it's like the substitute teacher, you know? Like they leave a letter for the teacher, like, what did they say? Uh, the speaker was somebody many of us know, Abel Burke. He was one of our residents here. He was one of our pastors. He's a senior pastor up in San Dimas right now. But he was our guest speaker at the camp. And this is what he wrote. He said, I want to take a moment to express how impressed I was at the last few days at winter camp. Tim did such an amazing job in leading the group. It was encouraging to see how much he's grown in his leadership and in his pastoral heart. I was also blown away about how solid the team you have. Every leader was so positive and demonstrated a deep understanding of Scripture and a heart for the Lord. The team and the camp ran like a well-oiled machine. Lastly, those students, the deep questions they had about faith in God shocked me. The maturity and love for the Lord was something I don't think I've seen in a youth group before. Whatever you're doing at Ambassador seems to be working. Thank you for letting me be a small part of this last week. I, I had to read that because how cool is that? It's amazing. So that's one of the things that I'm thankful for. Um, when he says, whatever you're doing in ambassador's work, and I don't know what that is. <laughs> but here's what I know. Several years ago, we said, we want, to, we want to see our students become disciples of Jesus. We want them to have fun, right? We want to do some fun things and all that. But we really, we want them to be introduced to Jesus. And I think Tim and leadership, the team, uh, you as parents, you're all doing that. And so that's exciting, and that's, that's something that just thrills me right now. One of the other things that makes me uh, so encouraged is our, is our elders. We have four elders at the church who have been with me through my journey as senior pastor, and I'm so thankful for them. When you, our, all of our elders are voted on by our church members, and they're voted on for three years. They have a three-year term. And so uh, the three years is up for, for three of them, but one of them is going to stay just for one more year. But uh, Dennis, uh, Lynn, and Jason Bay, they are going to um, step off the elder board and uh, have some rest. We have worked so hard. We have had so many conversations over these last three years, and we're going to give them a break. We're going to hear from them next week. I'm going to have them come up here and just share a little bit from their perspective. So I'm, I'm excited for that. 
but David Kim is going to stay on for an additional year and help with the transition. Albert Sue is going to be moving into being our chairman of the elder board, so super excited for that. Please pray for him, uh, Stephanie, and he taking on that role. But we have two new uh, kind of elder candidates or elder select that we have been, I've been talking with, we've been meeting since July and kind of walking through this process. And uh, coming up at the end of the month on January 28th, you as a church, you members are going to be able to vote uh, for them uh, to become elders at the church. But I want to introduce them to you. Some of them, you, you probably, many of you know these people, but if for those who don't, we want to introduce you to them. So uh, let me introduce Will Lee and Landon White. Come on up. It's encouraging to, uh, the first test is how do you turn on the microphone? Uh, every elder and pastor need to learn that. So you passed? You passed. Good job. But I just want to take just a few minutes just to, for you to get to know them. And this won't be everything, and we'll, we'll share some more information later. But just want to get to know them. So Will, Landon, you've been at the church for some time. You've been here longer than I have, sort of. But how long have you been here, and what has kept you here? I've been here since uh, 2006 uh, when my uh, first church, um, you know, it was a dwindling church, um, got, uh, had the first adoptation mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> with merger into ambassador. And that, um, I, I think it was God's providence. Um, it was um, um, one of our members um, who became an uh, elder later, Brian Louis. Um, he reached out um, and found um, our founding pastor, uh, Pastor Ray, and uh, a church that seemed had the DNA that we kind of had at our, our old church, uh, which was um, a community of, of believers who had a head of heart for God and uh, a sense of family. So um, that continues to this day, and that's you know part part of the reason why um, I'm staying staying uh, at the at the church here. Um, but I'm also excited about. Uh, the futures um, and how we can reach out. Yeah, because you were part of the church and then you you left for a short time to help plant a church with with Brian Chan, right up in LA, and then came back and have been here since. That, that's that's true. So, um, you know, I was it was a long period of time uh, at my first church. We had uh, we didn't have a senior pastor for for many years, and then uh, we finally found a church home, and then um, and I got a you know, uh, inquire, a tap to say, hey, you know, would you like to to leave and start a church plant with uh, uh, with the pastor, Pastor um, Ryan Chan? I said, uh, okay, I have to think about it. But but uh, ultimately, you know, um, being um, led by the Spirit and uh, being wanted, wanting to be obedient, um, I, I did so, and it was a fantastic experience. Uh, but after the, the church plant, um, um, with a couple of years of the church plant, uh, we kind of moved on to a different direction, and then uh, we kind of came back came to back. We're happy to have you back. Uh, how about you, Landon? You've been here for quite some time, too. And why, why did you come, and why are you here still? Um, so I came ten and a half years ago, so fall of 2013. I enrolled at uh, Talbot School of Theology and was looking for a church. I, I came from uh, working at a church previously and uh, was actually looking for a multi-ethnic church, uh, but I also needed a job, so I was just anywhere, any church that would take me. Um, and Ambassador actually had a position open that was too few hours, um, but it was my, my 
I literally drove in on a Saturday. On a Sunday, the churches that I was applying to were further away. I was like, well, I'll go check it out. I'll just see. Um, and I haven't attended another church since. <laughs> uh, I actually, so I met, um, first person I met, I uh, got a tap on the shoulder. Paul Switz, still here somewhere, introduced me to his then-girlfriend, Shannon. Mm-hmm. And uh, they invited me to their small group that week. So I went to their small group. Met Pastor Ray. He invited me to lunch. Stephen, the worship leader at the time, invited me to lunch, and they just suckered me in to uh, applying for the job. And yeah. so I did college and young adults for a little bit. I did worship for a little bit, then young adults again. So I've been on and off staff a little bit uh, yeah. here. And so I stuck around mostly because they paid me. Um, but no, a little. I'm just, ah, just kidding. It, it was the classic. We had one position and we had two people interviewing for it, and we just said, "Let's take them both and pay them yeah. half." I will say you know? so for those that y'all, that yeah. don't know, because uh, he left. He's at a different church now. But my friend Justin Weaver. Justin Weaver. Uh, we both so. applied for the same job, and so both of us got a terrible deal out of it. <laughs> you did. We only got ten hours uh, a week, but we both got a best friend out of it. So yeah, we're we not. It. I'm not bitter, you know. So. Yeah. It's been fun. So, um, real quick, though, uh, like when I asked you both to be to consider this role as an elders back in the summer, why did you say yes? (laughs) Like, why did you say yes to this? You could have easily said, "Oh, no, 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 find somebody else." But for some reason, you said yes. Why? Why is that? Uh, Well, for for me, uh, first it was there was shock, and then there was a you know sense of you know the honor of being offered. this role, um, and I did go through a deep period of uh, reflection and prayer, and you know, ultimately it came down to you know being an obedient servant, and also realizing you know it's it's not about me. Um, you know, I don't have to be concerned um, so much that you know I'll you know uh, ruin things or, or make <laughs> the wrong decision because it ultimately is God. God is in control. And uh, Philippians 2.13, um, so, you know, um, God works in, in us um, to, for, for his will and purpose, uh, and for his will, and um, for, to promote a good, good purpose. So, you know, it's in God that we trust, and so I place my trust in God. Excellent. Thanks. How about you, Landon? Um, for me, when I first heard, my first thought was, how can I be an elder? I'm not eld. But <laughs> I've made that joke like 20 times. No, but um, in, in all honesty, it did feel quite weird. Um, I think Ethan had to strong arm me into it a little bit. But uh, I, those of you that haven't seen me in a while, the reason be, being is I've been consulting another church. So I told them I wouldn't lead worship for them because I am committed here. I'm leading a small group, an ambassador, um, but was consulting there. And... and sitting with their elders and like these people are picking my brain for stuff Mm -hmm. for their church it just felt very strange it also helped that there were two people on their elder board that were my age as well so that kind of squashed that Mm -hmm. I think fear or or like self-doubt but uh, I love this place and I love these people and so um, to get the ability as I was there kind of yeah, advising and helping, I thought, man, I'd love to be a part of um, that kind of leadership space in, in um, ours. And so I think I was reminded of what Paul says to Timothy, is just because you're young, um, 
Uh, don't let anyone look down on you. And the respect that I've gotten from the current elders and Ethan is unbelievable. I'm still a little bit shocked by it, but I feel like a child uh, amongst them, but um, deeply valued um, by them. So. No, we're excited to have you. And if you do this in three years, you will have some gray hairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, make okay. we'll make that happen, right? Guarantee. Right? Yeah. Guarantee. Yeah. Last, last question is what, what encourages you? What are you excited about or maybe even humbled about or even nervous about if you move in this direction? Um, you know, I, I, like I said before, I, I was uh, humbled and I am still humbled, but again, a reminder, you know, of being a faithful servant and, but I am excited, um, you know, work, to work, um, you know, with the, uh, some, you know, very strong and, and great leaders, and um, also the the opportunity to to see God's um, God's power and His work uh, through us uh, to be a light to this community. Um, you know, for the direction um, that and vision that we have upcoming, um, which I'm sure you're <laughs> really more on the sermon. Uh, uh, but I just really have that excitement and, and that hope. Um, and I um, and I look forward. Good, yeah. How about you, Landon? Um, I think for me, the sense that um, of how how discipleship works, how I've seen it work in my own life, is amongst close community, and um, to see that happen in in the elder board, specifically these past couple of years. I years ago. Uh, uh, Ethan took me out to lunch and we we're talking and he asked me he's like what would you like to see more of it ambassador and I said dude ambassador's not messy enough and he was like what do you mean by that and I'm like you know we don't we don't like lean into conflict and I was like the past two years we've had to lean so hard <laughs> into tough things and come to find out like this is what the elders are doing um, Will and I have been invited to other elder meetings just to kind of see what goes on and those dudes like duke it out to make this place like be a place that that benefits everyone here, and so I'm just drawn to that in, in the sense of iron sharpening iron that it happen happens amongst the leadership that they hold Ethan accountable and they hold staff accountable and they hold each other accountable, and so to be a part of that, both to to the benefit of others, but more for the benefit of me because I know I need people. Uh, in my life to do that, but to have that in leadership, that just, um, that excites me, because then I know, like, that leadership is trustworthy, um, it's not just a top-down thing, but there's a lot of humility that results from that, so I'm just excited to be a part of that. Well, we're excited too, and so um, that's our future, a messy church, right, which I'll come <laughs> back to at the end, don't worry, but... Um, but this is an exciting time for our church. We, we on, in a couple weeks, are going to be voting uh, on our elders, on our budget, and uh, uh, one other thing regarding our constitution. But you're part of this. This is our church. And uh, we, we have wonderful people in our church from our leaders, our students, and everybody in between. So uh, let's, let's pray real quick. And uh, let me just pray for this process and for both Landon and Will. Heavenly Father, we, we love you and praise you and thank you for just what you're doing in our church. Lord, we're, we're not a perfect church by any means. And uh, we're just, just trying to be humble servants of you and follow you and keep our eyes on you and follow you wherever you lead. 
thank you for the people that you've put in our, our leadership um, on all levels, all levels, that love you and that love each other and are seeking your name uh, to be uh, glorified and praised and known in this world. We pray for this uh, uh, upcoming uh, transition with our elders and I mean, you give us wisdom and give us guidance on how you want us to uh, be led and how we can follow you. So um, just thank you for Will and Landon and their heart. I thank you for all of our, our members, uh, everybody who attends this church and, and what they contribute to the whole. Uh, so may you watch over all of us. May you protect us. May you guide us. May you draw our hearts towards you. May we walk in humility. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Well, I just want you to know that did not count as part of my sermon time, okay? Um, I'll try to account for it, but um, that was kind of announcements, but here we go. So we talked about our kids at camp, right? Uh, this last Wednesday, I got to drive, uh, several of us got to drive some of the students up, and it reminded me, when I was a youth pastor, we did it differently. You, the, the youth pastor would give all the leaders a map quest. Right? Do you remember that? Like uh, one or two pages of like 45 directions, you know? And if you missed that turn, you had to like get off, backtrack, and come back and find your way on the, the map and, and keep going. Uh, now it's this. Like I, I, I realized that I was just got in the car, the kids are in there, and I'm like, where are we going? Like, you know, just type in the, the name of the place, and it took us there. I didn't have to worry about what route I was taking and all that, and several of us took different routes. The important thing is we ended in the right place. We got to the right retreat center, the same one, the right one. Uh, everybody was safe. That's what really matters. As I was thinking about that on the way home, we're talking about vision this week and next week. Where are churches going We've talked about a little bit about where, why we exist and, and that kind of thing. But the important thing is, is where are we going? What's our location? And does it matter if we all take different routes? Or should we all be on the same page? Should we all take the same route? Today we're going to talk a little bit about that. This week and next week. About where we're going. Where Ambassador Church is going. And I'm hoping that all of us get you know, in the same car, the same bus. We go the same route. That's my, my hope. So, you know, like I said, a couple, a couple years ago, I, I became the senior pastor here, and we started considering who we are and what we're about. Last year, we gave our mission statement. We, we took a, a long mission statement. We kind of changed it up and made it short. And hopefully by now you know that. The reason why we exist, the, the, the reason why we exist is to make the name of Jesus known, right? We exist about Jesus. That shouldn't be a surprise. We're a church. Shouldn't that be what churches do? We talk about Jesus. We want people to know Jesus. We've talked about that on every level, from our little children to get to know him, for our youth to grow in and own that faith, for our adults to walk in the Spirit, right, and, and have the fruit of the Spirit and to love each other. This is what we've been talking about on why we exist. But today I want to talk about kind of the, the vision of where we're going, like, that's good that we're here about Jesus, but where as a church we're going? We as elders have spent a lot of language talking about this, a lot of words, and we could have done it much faster. We could have looked at a book and said, hey, this is a great mission statement. Let's use this one. 
Or we could have looked at other churches and said, they're doing great work. Let's just copy theirs. But we wanted to see where is God leading us. And that required us to sit still, to listen, to pray, to dialogue, and to, to have samples and to talk with you about it and hear feedback and debate over what this word means and, and all of those things. And so we, we have a vision statement I want to share with you. Is it perfect? I don't know. I don't know. Is it us? I think it is. And it's going to be important for us to, to understand this so that we know where we're going as a church. And it is different than how we were years ago. Ten years ago, we were kind of going in a different direction. But I want to realign us to this. And so today, I'm going to talk about the first half of it. Next week, you need to come back. Please come back for the second part. So it all makes sense. You need to commit to both weeks, okay? Promise me. Um, but let me read what God has put on our heart as far as our vision. Our vision is to seek God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, as Christ's ambassadors, we will strive for kingdom impact in Anaheim, especially towards the lost and vulnerable, modeling empathy, compassion, and forgiveness inside and outside the church as we grow in God's love and respond in faith. There's a lot there. And we have debated on different words. We've changed words and all that. But today, I want us to talk about just that first part. To seek God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And what that means. I want us to look at what it means to be Christ's ambassadors, how we strive for kingdom impact here in Anaheim, and what does it mean that when we say especially towards the lost and the vulnerable. That'll be our, our topic today. That'll take enough time. And then the next week, we'll talk about more who we need to be, what God is calling us, and how our hearts uh, need to change to that. So that is what we'll do. Sound good? Let's talk about this. First, we want to seek God's kingdom. We want to seek God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. If you were going to memorize just one part of it, I would say memorize that. What are we about? We are seeking to seek God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? Where does it come from? Does it sound familiar? I hope it does, right? If you know the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, 10, you've heard that line in there. As, as Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples, he says, pray for this, for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's that mean for the kingdom of God to, to seek that here on earth? Well, the kingdom of God is where God reigns, Right? It's where God reigns. Uh, Gerald Bray, he wrote an article called The Kingdom of God, and he said this, On the most basic level, you may say the kingdom of God is present wherever the king is to be found. Okay, think about that. The kingdom of God is to be present wherever the king is to be found. So in the most specific and literal sense, where is the king found right now? In heaven. Right? God rules on his throne, and Jesus Right there in heaven where there's the angels, the realms of glory, where the departed saints, there's those who have died, where their bodies are here in, in the ground, but their souls are with Jesus there in heaven. That's where the kingdom of God is. But Jesus has also told us that the kingdom of God is here. 
that the king can be found here on this earth, in this world. How does that happen? It happens to the church. The church, we are not the kingdom of God, right? But we represent him. God has left the church and he says, build this church. Represent the king and show the glory of the king to this world. Show them to everybody that you meet. So we represent the kingdom of God, the way that we worship, the way that we love one another, the way that we serve. So one is that we have to live the values of the king. We, we got to live like how our king lives. So how does God live? What are his values? Peace, mercy, compassion, joy, love, forgiveness, kindness. You could go on and on. The values that are in our life, these are the values that we're supposed to live. And when we live this way, we said, this is, we want to introduce you to our king, because our king lives this way. We have been discipled, we have been transformed to be like him. As we live that way, the king can be seen. The kingdom of God can be experienced. But we also show the kingdom of God how we serve one another. And how we serve him, but how we love each other. Remember that when the disciples are talking about the kingdom of God, there's a kind of a funny story in Matthew 20 where, it's funny to me actually, but it's, it's a, James and John's mom gets in the picture, right? And you can just kind of see her. She comes up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I need to ask you a favor. He says, sure, whatever, it, what is it? And she's like, when you become king, when your kingdom comes, can my sons, James and John, be at your right and at your left hand? It's kind of funny, like mom kind of, you know, getting in there, and you can see James and John's, come on, mom, come on, relax. But, but when the other disciples hear that, they kind of get a little ticked off, like, hey, what about us? Because what do they know about the kingdom? They know a kingdom has a king, and he has his court on the top. They're the important people, They're the ones with authority. He, they know that there's a, a bunch of middle-class people that just kind of, you know, uh, benefit from the king. And then they know that there's those on the bottom, the beggars and the poor, that are just looking to survive. And they're like, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be in the middle class. We're your disciples. We should be at the top. And that's when Jesus says, let me tell you how it is. See, the Gentiles, the way that you think about the kingdom is that you're thinking about it from authority point of view. The, the Gentiles, they have authority and they lord it over you. Right? They put you under the thumb and they demand a lot from you. Not so in my kingdom. Not so in the kingdom of God. He says this, whoever wants to be great, you know, the top, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. To, to serve others. To be a slave. To take the low position. It reverses everything. 
Why is that important? Because we, if we are going to represent the king, if we're going to see his kingdom come, it's going to happen not through authority and power and being on top. It's going to happen through us serving and loving each other and taking these values, compassion and care and empathy, and taking that into the world. As we do that, as the church does that, we're bringing the kingdom of God. We're showing what that looks like. Any of you guys go to Baskin Robbins? Go to Bas- I, I don't know how many flavors. Do they still have 31 flavors or I don't know. Let's just say they do. If you go to Baskin Robbins and you want, uh, you're looking at all those flavors, before you buy, what do you do? You say, can I have a, a sample of mint and chip? And the person will take that little pink spoon, that little small one, right? They'll take it and they'll give you a little, little small taste and they hand it to you. And, and you take that. And you decide if you like that or not. It's the real thing. Right? It's the real thing. But it's just a small taste of it. Amy Sherman in her book called Kingdom People says, you need to be the pink spoon people. That's you. She says this, like those spoons, our role in the world as Christians is about offering a sample of the kingdom. All around us, people are looking for greater experiences of reconciliation, beauty, health, peace, justice, and other kinds of kingdom foretastes. And you have those, and you get to show that. What those things look like. What justice, what love, what health, what beauty, what art looks like to God. And represent that. So we as a church, we want to see God's kingdom come. We're going to do that by giving people a taste of the kingdom on how we live and how we are with them. And as we do that, we're going to see the church grow in in diversity. We're going to continue to see ethnic diversity happening because the kingdom of God is for all people, all nations, tribes, and tongues, and we want to see that represented here. It's going to happen in political diversity. We are going to have people from other different political groups. And you know why that's okay? Is because those are that's below. The kingdom of God is what we're about, right? We want to see the kingdom of God come, not a political party. So it's okay. We're going to keep our eyes on that, and we're going to say, that's all right. We can vote for different things. We all have different uh, thoughts and views. But that's, that's below. We're going to love each other through that. And just so you know, we'll talk about that this year because it's, it's a political year. We're going to talk about how we as Christians have got to be political and how we're going to uh, walk through that in love. So that's coming right? But those are, that's part of our diversity. Age is part of our diversity, all ages. Uh, economic diversity. And this sounds easy, but it's hard because we like people that are like us, that look like us, that have the same economic standard, they're the same age, or easy to relate to. But the church is not that. The church is full of different people that look very different from you. That's our first step, guys. We have to, before we can learn, love others outside the church that look different, we got to love the people inside the church that look different and act different in different ages and all that. So that's, that's what we get to work on right away. That's what it looks like as we see the kingdom of God come here to heaven and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so that's the first part. We pink spoon people giving a foretaste of that kingdom by how we live. Okay, let's move on. So we want to see the kingdom of God established. How is that going to happen? We got to be Christ's ambassadors, right? Ambassadors. There's lots of ways that the Bible talks about followers of Jesus as disciples, as sheep, as saints, image bearers. 
But the one we hold on to is ambassador. It's our name. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Who are these ambassadors talking to? But those who are not reconciled to God. Saying, I've been reconciled to God, you are not, and I want to help you become reconciled to God. That's what ambassadors do. They leave the kingdom that they're a part of, and they go to another kingdom, a foreign land. And they are there to represent their king. We, we, we are from kingdom of heaven. If you are in Christ, you are part of the kingdom of heaven. But where do you live? This is the kingdom of Babylon. We're in the kingdom of Babylon. And we are there to represent our king. And what a beautiful job this is. I mean, this, this is exciting responsibility. That we get to share our story about how our, how our king loves us. We get to represent them. We have a king who is full of love. We have a king who is full of compassion and mercy and grace. And he's shown that to me and he can show that to you. We have a home in heaven. Uh, this world is not our home. It's another, an eternal heaven. Sharing those stories of the kingdom is what ambassadors get to do. And as we gather, we're more like an embassy. We're an embassy. Embassies take care of people, take care of their needs. We'll do that. We'll love on each other and take care of all the needs that we have. But here's where we're different. This embassy is all about immigration. We get to go to the world and say, you, wanna, you had a foretaste of this? You had heard a little bit about heaven? Come on in. And through us, you can immigrate. You can leave the kingdom of darkness. You can come into the kingdom of light. Come into heaven. That's exciting, you guys. We are ambassadors. So we're going to hold on to that title. Hold on to that identity. We represent our king here in this world. And what are we going to do? We want to make kingdom impact. Kingdom impact. That's what we're looking for. Now, what does that mean? Unpack that, would you? Well, think about it. Kingdom, right? We're about God's kingdom. We're not about my kingdom. Not about your kingdom. We're not building the kingdom here. We are about God's kingdom. We want to see his name be recognized. His name be glorified. His name be known. We represent his kingdom. But we want it to have an impact. We want it to come and make a difference. To be a light, not just a candle, but like a big light in the darkness. To be a, a stability in this culture. Several years ago in the 2000s, there was a book that kind of said, uh, hey, if your church were to disappear overnight, would anybody notice and would anybody care? We want this community to notice and to care that we're not here because we've had an impact. We're at impact on lives, yes. We want people's lives to be changed. But, but even beyond that, we want to see families changed. We want to see schools changed, businesses, government, systems, and structures that need to be changed. On the highest level, then the lowest level, we want to see this kind of change. We want to have this impact in this community. That's, I don't know how to do that. I don't know where, you know, how, how that's going to happen, what that's going to look like. But that's our desire. 
We want to say the kingdom of God come. We ambassadors have a kingdom impact in this, in this culture, in this community. It extends far and wide. We put in here in our vision statement the, the, the location of Anaheim. And we talked about that. Should we be, uh, you know, just specifically to Anaheim or should we be much broader? Uh, for those of you who have been around for years, we have been really broad. We've never kind of honed in on the city because we've always been moving around. We've had different locations. We're always renting. We're always moving. Uh, but we, we prayed long and hard about this, and we want to make an impact here in Anaheim. doesn't mean it won't be in Orange or Fullerton or whatever, but our, specifically, we're looking here at this city. Why? Because this is where our church is at. We have roots here. This is where the church is at. And we want to shine bright here in this community on the corner of Sun, uh, Sunkiss and South. In 1966, ground was broken right here on this building, on this church. And over the years, the name has changed a few times. But the heart to make an impact, to reach people for Christ here in this neighborhood, to reach the schools, the families, has never changed. We're coming back. We're coming back to that. We want to make uh, this, this city a place that's flourishing. See a city flourish. Because we're told in the scriptures that when the city flourishes, we flourish. Flourishing is a, is a godly word, word. You can't read the Proverbs or the Psalms without seeing those who are righteous flourish. And those who are wicked, they may, though they may flourish for a short time, they will wither. So it is important to flourish. But Jeremiah 29, we've read this before here too, but it, it, it talks about this kind of flourishing. Remember the Israelites had been taken out. They're at, in exile. They're not in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was a place for flourishing. At least historically it was. But now they're in Babylon. That's a place of withering. They're going to die here in Babylon. But Jeremiah writes this letter to them and says, you're not going to die. You're going to flourish. I know the plans I have for you, right? You know that verse? Plans that, you know, give you a future and see you prosper. I got you. But here's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is a part of in your exile. It says in verse 5, he says, build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in numbers, but don't decrease. Right? Like, just embrace it. Buy houses, get married, have, plant gardens. He says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. This is Babylon. He says, pray for peace and prosperity in Babylon? He says, pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you will prosper too. God has said, I want to see these cities flourish. You're in it. You can see some flourishing. We want to see lives come into the light. We want to see the evil that hides in the darkness be gone. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how we'll contribute to that, but that's what we want to see. We want to see flourishing. John Piper wrote about this, how exiles serve the city. He said this, We will serve our city best 
by getting our values from the city that is to come, right? The heavenly values. It says, we will do our city most good by calling as many of its citizens as we can to be citizens of the Jerusalem above, right? That immigration, immigrating to the kingdom. So let's live, let's do so much good that the natives will want to meet our king. That gives us permission to pray for the city and to see it flourish. When it flourishes, we benefit. Good will come. What does that look like? We have done this a little bit um, uh, just this year. I'll give you one example. Pop-up markets. We've hosted in our parking lot over here two pop-up markets. We worked with the schools, the junior high, and the high school, and they gathered some vendors, and they filled up the parking lot. There were dancers. There was people selling crafts. There was people selling art and candles, uh, things like that. There was food that they brought, and then the community came and just mingled and bought. Some Some of you were there. But let me tell you three stories of people that were there. One of them is Frida. Frida has a coffee stand. And really, I think she had just two, one coffee and one tea. There was a Thai tea, and uh, then she had like iced coffee with boba, right? So you can get your boba and all that together. You know what's cool about Frida is she's a high school senior at Catella. And she is raising money for college. She really wants to go to San Diego State. That's where she wants to go. So with every cup of coffee she sells, she is saving money for college. There's another family that came that it was a, a, a mom and her two kids that were working because earlier this year the husband had passed away. And they were serving food to pay bills here in the parking lot. Uh, there was another lady who had a, a flowers. She had flowers. She was um, a kind of a florist. And when I talked to her, she said, well, I'm just starting. I just kind of work out of my garage. I'm just beginning, you know, but I got her card. And, and a little bit later, we, we had a couple people in our church who had family members that died. And so we, we sent flowers. But I called her and said, hey, can you send, uh, can you put together a couple bouquets? And she said, uh, happy to. And she said, just so you know, you're my first client who's not a family member, you know? And uh, we were able to help kind of get things going. And so putting pictures on, on Facebook and, or Instagram and that kind of thing um, is part of that. Can you see flourishing happening? A kid going to college, a, a family paying bills, a lady kind of starting her business. Do you see good happening? And when they benefit, do you think that we'll benefit? I think our whole society will. It's the kind of stuff we want to see. We want to see our city flourish. And so we want to pray for the city. Pray on its behalf. Pray for God's uh, power to be done. For his name to be known. And that we, as we represent him, as we live humble lives, as we serve and we care and we love, that this city will flourish. That's what we're after. Now, some of you, Oh, by the way, we're going to have a prayer meeting here on Wednesday, uh, just on Zoom. I hope that you can join us at 8 o'clock. Uh, we'll send out the link this week, but um, hopefully you can join us as we pray through the vision, but also for the city. But, um, but let me say this. Some of you say, why put Anaheim? I don't live in Anaheim. Why should we do that? Real quickly, I'll say this. One is because the church is here. This is where we're at. This vision that we have, it's a corporate vision. It's a vision for our church. 
And our church is right here, and we want to be a light here. So we are going to do as much as we can here in this community in Anaheim. Now, I realize not all of you live here. We have um, people that live in 13 cities in Orange County. We have people that live in six cities in Los Angeles and Riverside. Okay, so we have missionaries that serve in three countries. So if you take all that, we have 24 cities and countries represented in our church. We could say, okay, forget Anaheim. Let's just do one month in Brea, one month in Fullerton, one month in Moreno Valley, one month in Irvine, and we'll just keep, and, and over the course of two years, we'll hit 24 places. We could do that, but that's not our vision. Our vision is for us to do good here, but also to equip you to do good in your city, where you live. That's our expectation is that we'll do this as a church, but you are going to be doing the same kind of thing where you live and where you go to school and, and where you study, where you work, and that's more than 24 places. So that's why we put this in here and hope that you will um, just continue to love this city and your own wherever you go because we represent him everywhere. Amen? All right, last thing. I'll wrap up. The lost and the vulnerable. I'm going to see kingdom impact in Anaheim with the lost and the vulnerable. Uh, it makes sense to say the lost, right? Of course. We're a church. We want to see the lost be found. We want to see those in darkness come to light. We want to see those who are enemies become children of God. Of course. But we also put here the vulnerable. You know, there's a reason for that. When I'm... When I've been reading scripture, I, I come across a place like Matthew 25 and other places. But Matthew 25 uh, continues just to, to pull on my heart. What's the situation in Matthew 25? It's, it's when God's kingdom comes, right? It's the end time. God sits on his throne. He's the king. And he brings everybody that's lived before him. And he separates them in two groups, right? The sheep and the goats. Sheep are the people that have followed him. They love Jesus. They serve him. They're on one side. The goats, those who don't serve Jesus, don't love him. They're on the other side. And you remember what he says to both groups, but to the sheep, he says, you have loved me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you gave me, gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was lonely, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came. And the sheep say, you're God. You were never naked and hungry and in prison. That's crazy. We never did that. But remember what he says. When you did it to the what? The least of these. The vulnerable. The invisible. Those that society has looked over or don't value. When you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Listen, I, I want us to reach the lost, obviously. But I want to push us even further. Can we identify those in the community who are vulnerable? Maybe the society has, has moved past, don't value. And can we love them with the love of Jesus Christ? I want to push us further. Like we've been doing this, some already, we can do it more. Right, we've been uh, giving um, presents right at Christmas. We to to those like Angel Tree, those whose parents are in prison. Right, that's good. We did it to South 
junior high, those who just couldn't afford presents to have presents on the tree, we got them gift cards and that kind of thing. We have given them food. We've given them shoes and clothes, uniforms. We, uh, we the backpacks, right? We got them backpacks. Like, those are, those are cool things. Uh, laundry of love. Mike and Chris Lee have been have a heart for uh, a laundromat over in Fullerton where they have been there uh, once a month at least for years. And some of you have partnered with them. Go bring some coins and some detergent and sit down with them and have a conversation, have some food while the laundry is going. You've been serving people like that. Let's keep doing that. But let's take it to that next step. Rather than kind of more anonymous or whatever, let's get, let's get in it. So I have some ideas on who this is, but we're, we're going to work on how we care for each other, right, first. And in time, this is our three- to five-year plan. We're going to roll this out. It won't be long, but what is God calling us to do as ambassadors to love the lost and the vulnerable, the least of these? We can do this. It's gonna, we're going to have to lean forward. We're going to push ourselves. We're going to step out in faith. But this is exciting. As I wrap up, um, Francis Schaeffer, many, many years ago, a philosopher, said the mark of a Christian, the mark of a maturing Christian is love. Not a surprise. But I heard on a, uh, a podcast recently, and Landon kind of mentioned it, what is the mark of a maturing church? It's immaturity, or to use your word, messy. Think of it. When Christians mature, we love. And we are loved by God, and we want to love other people. We want to share that love with them, and then they come to Christ. And when they come to Christ, what happens? We bring them to church, and that's where it gets messy. Because we have people that don't know the rules that you know. Maybe they don't close their eyes when we pray. Right? Maybe they bring coffee without a lid into the sanctuary. I know none of you would do that. Right? I do. <laughs> I have mine right there. Um, but maybe, maybe they, they take not just one donut, but two. You know? Ooh. Like, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that, that are going to happen. Listen, I don't want to have a church of everybody that knows the rules. That's boring. I want to see people in here that don't know the rules, that don't know the, the depth of their love of Christ, but they're here because they got a foretaste of it. They're here because they saw you love them and serve them, and you got on their knees, and you cared for them. And that's why they're here. Guys, I don't want a boring church. I want an exciting church. I want a church that's making a kingdom impact. That's going to stretch us. Are we there right now? No. If we were there, it wouldn't be a vision. It's going to push us. But I'm excited to see where that is. The purpose for our church, why we exist, is to make the name of Jesus known, right? Our vision is we're going to see that kingdom of God here on earth. It happens one relationship at a time, one life at a time. As we love, as we serve, let's serve the people around us and see this community change. And I can't wait to see what happens. I can't wait to see who's here. Can't wait, right? This is an exciting time. So that's part one.
Part two comes next week. We'll talk more about our lives, how we need to change, what that's going to look like, what we model. And if that excites you, come back. Because we want you to be a part of this. We need you to buy in. There, there, you know, kind of that analogy of driving, you know, on a journey. There's some people that just, you're just happy to be in a car. You don't care where we go. There's some people that you're there because you, you, you care about where we're going. And I want you to care where we're going. I hear so many people say, well, we're here just because the kids, the kids like it. We're just here. Like, no, nah, that's not flying, guys. I hope your kids like it, but I hope that you're here because you want to be here because this is a place for your family. This is a place where you need to be because this is a place where you're stepping out on love. You're stepping out of faith. We're making kingdom impact. Amen?